Good to see you all. My name's JD, as Christian Ann said, who, who is my wife, by the way. If you were trying to put two and two together, if you like saw us hug or something, and you're like, those two staff members are kind of uh, getting a little close, a little too much PDA there if there's not a ring on the finger. That's what's going on. Um, and uh, Christian Ann and I uh, joined a group of people who launched this church three years ago in that community center over there. And we've adapted and changed along the way. Um, and this is our latest iteration of our mission to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. And uh, if you like, feel like you've been bait and switched a little bit, I just want to acknowledge that's not what's happening here. I'm not going to do an altar call. Nothing like that's going to happen. Our community just loves Jesus and has been shaped by him. And we always just share a story from his life as a point of discussion around our tables. Uh, we love to linger after our meal and talk, talk about things that matter most uh, in our life. So I just want to share what we call a Jesus story tonight. We take a episode from Jesus's life and just ask simply uh, what stands us out to us about it um, and what difference might it make in, in our lives. So uh, we're going to do that. Uh, I would love to hear some responses to the community time question, if you remember what that is. What's one thing that you could change in your life right now? And uh, it can't be the score to the Vikings and Packers game. Sadly, I hear. I haven't, I haven't checked, but um, I'm, getting, I'm picking up on the tones. Um, here's here's, here's uh, an episode from my life where I was asking the same question. When I met my wife, Christian Ann, I did not like tomatoes. Anybody not a tomatoes fan out there? I really, I, I wanted to like tomatoes, but I was not a fan of tomatoes. And Christian Ann caught wind of this or saw this in my eating habits. And as we got to know to get, uh, each other, she said, I just don't think that you've had good tomatoes. And so she said it about... Uh, in our life together to to change that part of my life, to respond to that desire of wanting to like tomatoes. And our first year that we grew something together, we had fresh tomatoes from the garden. She got out the mozzarella and she said, now you eat this and you tell me if you no longer like tomatoes. And that was the day she changed my life, changed my life forever. I do now like tomatoes. I just realized that I hadn't really fully experienced what uh, tomatoes could be. Now, that's a trivial example, but uh, one of the things I wanted to notice about life tonight before we jump into the Jesus story is that we live in those kind of tensions all the time. We live in those tensions of desiring change, uh, desiring something greater, uh, seeing, wanting to see something happen in our lives. We live in a tension, a tension between the change we want to see in our lives and the world and the way things are. Let me see if I can hang on to my notes here. It's a pleasant noise. Uh, we live in this tension, knowing that things aren't fully right uh, and could be different, and most of the change is outside of our control. Now, tomatoes are a trivial example, but we also oftentimes within ourselves and in the world see things that we want to be different. We long for those things to want to be different. And it seems like some of the most consequential decisions in our life, some of the things that change the trajectory of our life or have the deep amount, deepest amount of impact in our life happen in those moments of tension, what we decide to do, how we decide to respond to those. 
I share it or set up the story uh, in that way because I feel like the, what we're going to read tonight comes to us in the midst of a story of tension, a story of longing and desire for change. What we're going to do over the next few weeks at a community dinner is tell Jesus stories, story from Jesus's life, where he talks about the idea of gospel, the idea of uh, maybe you've heard that term and it uh, meant something for you, but the term simply means good news. And there's a lot of different interpretations of what the gospel is. Uh, maybe you've heard that word in church before and it's been said a different way, a couple different ways. Maybe you've been a part of church context for a long time and you're wondering, uh, like you've wrestled over your life or maybe in some sense rethought or rethink, uh, rethought of what the definition of the gospel is and all of that swirling around um, was impressed on my heart that we should look at what Jesus intended or what Jesus said when he used the word gospel. Because there's a lot said about the gospels. Those are the names of the four books. But uh, the gospel is uh, the story of Jesus. The gospel is a particular doctrine sometimes people talk about. But what is it that Jesus said about the gospel and this good news? And more pointedly, how is it good news? Like, how is this news that Christians share or this news about Jesus, what difference does it actually make in our lives? So I want to read the story starting in the very first book of the New Testament, in the very first line, and then a couple verses down from there. And the first book in the New Testament starts just like this. It's the book of Mark. It says, this is the good news about Jesus. This is the gospel, is the, is the word there, about Jesus. Jesus. So that tells us right away something about the gospel, something about good news. The good news is primarily about Jesus. And then Mark's gospel moves really quick. It doesn't have a cute little baby Jesus story. It goes right into his ministry. And this is the story that I want to pick up. And I mentioned that stuff about tension earlier, because people have been waiting to hear from God, have been waiting to hear for God to intervene for a really really long time about things much more important than them li not liking tomatoes. And in the particular context, they are experiencing a lot of oppression from the Roman government. Uh, there is this uh, desire for a new experience of spirituality, a new experience of God. And then Jesus comes on the scene with this good news. And everybody is anxious to hear what he has to say and anxious to hear what he can do. I want to start reading in verse 9. It says, At that time, Jesus of Nazareth uh, in Galilee, those are places uh, over in Israel, uh, uh, Jesus came from Nazareth in, in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came down from heaven and he said, the voice said, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. At once, the spirit sent him out to the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals. Uh, I think the implication is they were kind of dangerous animals. Maybe they're little bunnies, but probably not. And angels attended to him. So I know that's just a few sentences, and there's a lot of narrative there, but it's important to get the context of how Jesus started his ministry. There was this amazing experience of people 
in an audible way, hearing God's voice and God speaking love and fa- favor over Jesus and what he was doing. And then he got uh, pushed into this or led by the Holy Spirit into this intense uh, experience with bunnies, I guess, and other wild animals, but experienced intense tension, intense uh, temptation. And then it goes right into Jesus's ministry, what he had to proclaim, what he had to say. And Mark goes straight to the point, and these are the first words of Jesus in the New Testament. It says, after John uh, was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, which is his hometown, kind of a rural area outside of Jerusalem, and proclaimed the good news. There's that word again, of God. These are Jesus's first words. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. There's that word again, gospel. So this is Jesus' proclamation of gospel, of good news. And it begs the question, maybe you were listening and wondering, what does he mean? What does Jesus mean by the kingdom of God has come near? What does he mean by the time has come? What does he mean by that word repent and believe the good news? It's hard to decipher because it's not language we often use, or at least it doesn't seem like that at first glance. And they are saturated with previously, uh, previous religious experiences. Those words are saturated with previous religious experiences, some of which are maybe good for us and some of which may not be good. So what does he mean? These are questions that I want to ask over the next few months is dive into. We might return to this text and uh, view it through the lens of the stories that come after this and try to seek and understand in a fresh way what Jesus, what his central message of the kingdom of God is coming near. Repent and believe the good news. What does that actually look like? You know, I don't have time. I would love to. I'm, I, I kind of nerd out a little bit with the words of the New Testament. I would love to go into each of these words. But the one that really stuck out to me when I read this, and maybe it's one that stuck out to you, is this word repent. And it stuck out to me maybe not for the best reasons. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot about this word in particular, but still sometimes when I hear that word repent, images come to my mind of someone with kind of a smug, angry, judgmental face standing on a street corner with a sign that says, repent. I don't know if any of you have those uh, connotations associated with this word, this judgmental moral accusation, most of them uh, done from a self-righteous position, which means it's more about the person holding the sign than it is about what they're trying to convey. Uh, It feels shameful. It feels accusatory. It feels like moral posturing sometimes. And it's so sad because this is such a beautiful word. And I want to, if I can, offer something that might reclaim these words of Jesus and that word in particular. What does Jesus mean by repent? Does he mean that uh, person standing on the side of the road with a sign? The word itself is, uh, excuse me for nerding out a little bit, metanoia. It's where we uh, get words like uh, metamorphosis from or change and transformation. It simply means uh, a reorientation or a rethinking, a changing of one's mindset, approach, and perspective. The simplest way to think about it is just the word change. Change. It means change. Uh, last weekend, I was up north at one of my uh, one of my relatives' properties, and uh, I 
love wildlife. And so we were walking down the road, and I saw some deer in a field. And I said, Daniel, my, my, my middle child, I said, Daniel, look at the deer. And he said, I can't see him. I can't see him. And so I put Daniel up on my shoulders so he could see uh, through the brush and the trees uh, so he could see the deer. And then he said, I see it. I see it. And I think that's actually a great understanding of what repentance is. It's a change of mind. It's a change of reference point. It's a change of perspective that allows you to enter into the experience. In its simplest, it means change. Now, I asked in the community question, what's one thing you could change about your life if you could or your life around you? And uh, I want to return to that question again. And what would it be like to hold that question of something that you want to change in your life and hear these words of Jesus? What would it be like to hear the words that the kingdom of God, the time has come near, change and believe the good news? Would that be good news at all? Now, those are some definitions of words, but what, what, what is it do you think that Jesus was meaning in this moment? It's interesting to think about the definition of words, but real practically, this is probably what this felt like. I'm going to put Phil on the spot. Jesus was a real person in a real time. <laughs> He's real nervous right now. <laughs> yeah, you control my mic. In a lot of the ways, it's interesting to think about the words Jesus used, but it's almost as interesting to think about how he said those words and how he approached people. And I wonder if we can imagine Jesus saying these words like this. The time has come. God's leadership is right here, near to us. Do you want to change? Come and believe. I mean, that would still be a little awkward if I did that today. But do you see the difference in the interaction? Do you see the juxtaposition in between someone standing on the side of the road with a sign saying, repent? I think Jesus' call of God's kingdom coming near is his power and authority to make real change in our life, to us live to the ability for us to live into a different story. And by him offering repentance, it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's about him extending a hand and offering us power and a way towards the change that we desire, the tension that we feel in the world. And that word belief often gets understood as a list of things, list of checks box, list of intellectual assent that we have to believe. But if you look at Jesus's life and what he does next, he does that repeatedly. He comes up to people who people have given up on a long time before. He comes up to tax collectors, people who have given up on change in their life, and he extends the same sort of hand. And he says to them, do you want to change? I'm here to come alongside you and help you experience that change that you desire in, that wor in the world you see around you and your own life. So I wonder if we would just sit with that question, what is it we want to see changed in our lives? And the good news, the gospel, as Jesus is saying it here, sounds something like this. God is near. Some translations say at hand, like you can reach out and touch God's presence. What would it look like to consider the challenges we face, whether it's challenges in parenting or experience of loneliness, financial struggles, uh, moving to a new place and not knowing anybody? What would it be like for us to start to imagine Jesus being present to and near that challenge we face? 
What would it mean for us to accept the invitation of his outstretched hand to say, I'm here to help you change and transform through that. And then to accept that invitation to follow him in the midst of it.